As we're about to begin a new year, perhaps you're asking yourself, how do we move forward from here? Well, maybe it's time to press the reset button. Hey folks, it's Karen G. from the communications team. Welcome to our Tower Hill Weekly Podcast. We hope today's message gives you some clarity, but most importantly, we hope the following message inspires you to take another big step in your own faith journey. This week, our sermon focuses on Luke chapter 24, and it's entitled Reset Time. So let's kick it off to Pastor Jason Tucker, who will walk us through how to reset in 2021. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship this morning. Merry Christmas. I hope that you had a great Christmas uh, with you and your family. And even though, yes, Christmases and celebrations have been a little bit different, I'm just so grateful for the gift of Jesus Christ, for the gift of family and friends, and the opportunity that we have to really celebrate this time of year. Man, what a month, what a ride this has been. Man, the ups and downs, right? But wherever your ups and downs look like, welcome to worship this morning. Welcome to our online service. And however you're watching, wherever you're watching, a very special welcome to you. A shout out to all of our folks who are watching out of the country or out of the state. Welcome. I pray that you feel part of this family. And for all the news and notes of everything going on in the life of Tower Hill, just check out towerhillchurch.org. Well, this week we are virtual only in our services, so I hope that you and your pajamas and your slippers and your new Christmas gifts are enjoying this opportunity to worship together. And I'm just so thankful for this technology that makes this possible. So all of our staff here at church get a much needed break after seven services for Christmas Eve. Well, today I want to share with you a little bit about, well, what is it going to be like now going forward? And this sermon today is called Reset Time. Reset Time. You know like when you play a video game and it's not going so well? You know, maybe you're playing, uh, I often play with my son on the PS4. We play Madden. And if, if I'm losing and it's getting close to the end of the game, beep, that's, <laughs> we're going to reset that thing. How many of you wish there were just a video game reset button on 2020? Right? And it's the close of 2020. We're getting ready to go into this next year. And man, I just so badly, desperately wish we could just like bleep and move on with the rest of our lives. Now we know it's not going to be that easy, but I also think like, what are we supposed to be feeling and thinking and looking forward to where there's still all this uncertainty going into this new year? I mean, we have a lot of hope, right? Many of us, you just got your Christmas pictures done and, and you look all beautiful and you know, everything's great. They went out on the cards and everything. You're just praying to God that in a couple of weeks, the Christmas picture doesn't start looking like this, right? Any uh, Mad Max, Beyond Thunderdome, right? Okay. But yeah, I mean, listen, we don't know what 2021 is going to bring. We are just all praying and hoping that this is going to be a lot better than this last year was. One of the things that my daughter said is we should all go out on New Year's Eve and shout Jumanji, you know, to reset the game, Uh, which we might actually do. (laughs) But how do we do it? How do we move forward now with this new reality that we're faced with? How do we move forward with, with hope? Like all the things we've been talking about this month, with hope, with joy, with love, with peace. How do we move forward in our lives? I think there's a really wonderful passage that's usually read 
after Easter. And it's the story of the followers of Jesus who are on their way home from Jerusalem after the crucifixion, and they're on the road to Emmaus. I feel like tucked in this passage are some real pearls for us to understand what it looks like to move forward past difficult, unfulfilled, even disastrous expectations. Sound like something you could use? Me too. So let's get into it. This is from uh, the Gospel of Luke. It said, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since this all took place. This is a crazy interaction in this moment, right? So here are these disciples on this road to Emmaus. And they're leaving Jerusalem. Why? Because they figured it was over. Jesus, their leader, he had been put to death. It says their faces were downcast. They were defeated talking about these things on their way home, and Jesus arrives right in front of them, and it says they were kept from recognizing them. Recognizing him. Why? That's kind of a weird thing. Like, how exactly does that work? Theoretically, they spent some time with Jesus. They knew Jesus. This post-resurrection Jesus, of course, is, is different in the sense that he's trying to teach all of his followers a new lesson, that no longer they can be able to rely on their eyes to follow him, but their hearts, their souls, because he was going to ascend into heaven, that the old way of following Jesus in person was going to end, and they had to now follow him by faith, like you and me. But, you know, this whole passage about they were kept from recognizing, their faces were downcast. Why? Why? Well, because of unfulfilled expectations. It was clear. Whatever they were hoping for in Jesus didn't work out. And then there's a little bit of a clue that maybe they didn't really understand Jesus when they say that he was a prophet. I mean, yeah, but that was not the greatest thing that he was. He wasn't just a prophet. He was the Savior. He was the Messiah. I mean, you almost wonder if Jesus was tempted to be like, uh, nope, not exactly. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but uh, he, didn't, he didn't do that because he's not as petty as I would be. But they were getting it wrong. And you see it too in the language, but we had hoped he was going to be something else, but he didn't deliver on that hope, and we're downcast, and we're defeated, and we've given up. Interestingly, about this passage, the traditional interpretation would tell you that Jesus was somehow preventing them from recognizing him. But I want to read this also on another level, because I just want to ask the question, do you think it also could have been? I, I do think the traditional interpretation is correct, but I think could it also be true 
that they had something to do with the reason that they couldn't recognize Jesus? Was it something also of their own doing? More on that in a minute. They continue. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found, found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. So like, then why are you downcast? <laughs> right, okay, so, so the, the tomb was empty. The women came and they gave you the whole story. Why do you not believe it? Why did he give up? It's funny. It's like we get, I can identify with them, is that we get wrapped up in our own stuff, in our own defeat, in our own sadness or even grief, and we can't see anything else. We can't see the Jesus standing right in front of us. Are you familiar with the five stages of grief? You've probably heard these before. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. We've all experienced them as March, April, May, June, yeah. You get the idea. But here's the thing. When you're grieving a loss, it's more difficult to see the Jesus right in front of you. I think we've all been experiencing grief. Grief isn't just when somebody dies. That certainly happens. Grief is anytime you experience loss of any kind. I feel like 2020, we've been grieving. Some of us have had to grieve loss of life. But also we're grieving all sorts of other losses, of the way that we usually do church and we do life and we do family stuff and we do Thanksgiving and we do, we're grieving all of these losses. And sometimes in the midst of the grief, I think we keep ourselves from recognizing the Jesus who's standing right in front of us, from recognizing the Jesus who's already on this journey with us. I tend to think that that plays a part in our inability to see the Jesus who's already walking with us. Jesus responds to them. He says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if, as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I love that. Did not our hearts burn within us? Something happened. And so they recognized Jesus. And I think there's a way that Jesus does this that is something that we could learn. We could learn how also to recognize Jesus. It says what? That their eyes were opened. And we know that Jesus is the one opening their eyes. But Jesus clearly does this by one, correcting their wrong beliefs by opening scripture to them. Notice that was the way that he did it. It's amazing how Scripture can, again, course-correct our wrong-headed beliefs. Sometimes, in the process of grieving something, we might get it in our head. God has it out for us. 
Didn't go my way because I deserved it. Didn't go my way because God is vengeful. Didn't go my way, and we come up with all sorts of wrong-headed beliefs. Well, you know, we need to get back to what Scripture says. What does Scripture say? For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son. And whoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. That's what God really is. We need to allow Scripture to course correct our wrongheadedness that naturally comes when we go through processes of pain and grief and suffering like we all have. So correcting wrong belief through Scripture. And then what happens is, is point two, is they, they became open again to see. Now, of course, Jesus is the one opening their eyes, but they also, I think their hearts were in a different place. You notice it when, they, when Jesus is about to continue on, and they say, no, 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 stay with us. In other words, we had that feeling of our hearts warming in your presence, and we don't want it to end. You see what happens is they go from downcast and defeated to where they're almost excited. Stay with us. Come with us. Something in them changed through that experience of Jesus opening the scriptures to them. They became in a better place where they can see, where they're willing to see. Continues. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. When he had led them out of the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. It's such a wild story, right? So these two, they have this thing. Jesus breaks the bread. They recognize him. They can see. They go on to the other disciples. And they don't believe it, even though, even though he's there right with them, right? And he says, I love the piece. Anything to eat? You almost feel like Jesus is delighting in proving that he is who he is. I think that's true in our lives. I think Jesus delights in proving that he's here. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But that's been my experience of Jesus. Jesus is always showing that he's with me. Always, in one way or another. And if you look for it, you'll find it too. You see, even in the midst of unbelief, grief, and doubt, here's what Jesus does. Jesus opens their eyes to see the beautiful truth right in front of them. That Jesus isn't somewhere else. Jesus is right there with them, breaking bread with them doing life with them. Jesus is intimately connected with them, even when everything is going wrong, even when they're rejecting the truth about God because of their grief or because of their pain. And what does he do? He gives them a right-sized picture of God. He's not just a prophet, right? He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the one. He's the one he said he was. And then he provides evidence of who he is. And in the end, what does he do? He blesses them. So follow with me how this all works. It starts from unbelief, and it ends in blessing. And this is true with us. 
if we hope to move forward after 2020 into this next year, we have to get past our grief enough to prepare our hearts to see God. We have to be willing to be course corrected by him. And what happens is Jesus then takes our unbelief and transforms it into blessing. So I want to ask you this question as we wrap up our year here together. How have you been kept from recognizing him? Maybe it's been your own grieving or anger or hurt. Maybe it's just been you've been so anxious about everything. It's hard to recognize Jesus when you're just looking at all the pain around you. But what if this is the year he opens your eyes? What if the best blessing of your life happens this year because you're actually looking for him? I think it's reset time. That's my hope. That's my prayer. I hope it's yours. My prayer for me and for you is that we won't miss the Jesus right in front of us. Amen. Amen.